JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from CBS 4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell, he does join us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? I remember him in Cliffhanger with yes. Stallone. Yes. You know, he's one of those guys that he's been in a lot of good things, and you you see his face and think, oh, yeah, him. Really really a good actor. Really good. I don't know, I don't know him personally, yep. obviously, but cool, it seems like a really cool guy. He was, um, he was here with Eight Men Out. And I remember talking to John Cusack about it. John Cusack, my friend, my, my friend was in that. Yes, uh, yes. John Cusack uh, told me it was funny. I had him on a year before last, and he said, "So Sheen and I would go would frequent this bar, and it was inside a hotel, um, just dance club inside a hotel." And I said, "Was it called Quincy's?" And he said, "Yes, it was Qu- <laughs> Quincy's in the Adams Mark. It's where where uh, Cusack and apparently uh, Charlie Sheen and some of those other guys hung out. I don't know if uh, if Michael Rooker was was with those guys, but certainly a long period of time working really hard. I think the temperatures were cold as well, right? It was kind of it was was it late so. fall yeah. when it was filmed here? I think in the I late eighties. So. I think so. it, it's been a long time, but a guy I went to high school with was involved in, in that. So. Uh, and just just kind of it's it's kind of cool when you see it and you think hey that's that's here in Indy yeah they all, everybody had to dress up whatever it was like a casting call for fans just to come out and dress up in like early 1900s garb yep. and sit in the stands so True. Um, All right. uh, Speaking of garb here, uh, the latest, at least Ian Rappaport says that maybe you're at a point right now where the fences cannot be mended between both uh, Jonathan Taylor and his side of things and the Colts. Is that where this thing is? You know, it's uh, never say never. Uh, When you say it can't be mended, well, what happens if there's no trade? (laughs) You know, I mean, then what happens? So, you know, about um, about three weeks ago, I thought there was, I, I thought Taylor would be here for opening day. Now I think it seems like it, it will be hard for him to come back for them for for them to have him back. It seems like there's so much. It, it's obvious to me that he doesn't want to be here for, for, from his actions and from talking to, to people with the team. And it, I think the hardest thing is is when a guy tries to force his way out and it doesn't happen. I mean, how do you welcome welcome him back into the locker room? I mean, the players probably will. And if that happens and he has a great year, then people forget about it. But sometimes you get to the point of no return. That's why, you know, I've been told they want a first-round pick or something equal, a second. Remember remember they got rid of Marshall Falk with the 205s. You know, maybe that's enough to get it done. I don't know. But I, I, I... don't, I, I know they don't want to give him away, you know, just just dump him, you know, for a four or five or whatever. But I've always thought the, the much, much harder phase to this wasn't the compensation because, again, it, it may get to the point the Colts will say, fine, we'll take whatever, three, whatever. That, that, that would be hard for them to, to, to do. But to me, the harder part is, is that team giving him whatever compensation he wants. Well, you know, I, you know, someone with the team floated three years, forty million. But remember, the team never offered him anything. There was never an extension offer, which really set all this in motion. Whenever it was in April, uh, in May, when they had to sit down with him, and remember, in April's when he was, he was, you know, I, I want to, I want to be here. I put pen to yeah. paper. That's my obligation. Well, then shortly thereafter. That's when the team said, well, we're not going to do that. And he had to feel betrayed. 
And that's when the, 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 the initial trade request came. And then, you know, then everything hit the fan when we get to training camp. So, and here we are. Uh, but, but, but the difficult part is going to be that team giving Taylor what he wants, not so much giving the Colts what they want. Although, you know, in Stephen Holder had a good story on ESPN that, that, that I, I sort of confirm, which I don't need to confirm what Stephen has. Stephen's a, a smart guy. But the six, six teams and have contacted the Colts and two have talked to trade. These teams would not, especially when you get to the trade package part of it, these teams are not going to go that far unless they are at some level willing to give Taylor something. You know, so so let's keep that in mind. Where, where again, what I say is the most difficult part. Maybe again, if a team, Miami, uh, the Rams, somebody, Philly, I saw that name was thrown out there now. If they're at the point that hey, we're going to give, we're willing to give you this, that, and the other. Well, they're not going to do that unless they've got a pretty good idea that they can satisfy Jonathan Taylor's demands. Unless let's just take the extreme thing that he is so. PO'd and so much doesn't want to be here, he'll go somewhere without an extension. I don't. I don't think that'll happen. But uh, on the other side, if, if a team's willing to give up a, a pretty good draft pick, I don't think they're going to do it for a one-year rental. So there's so many, so many things that, that have to be thought about. And then, oh, by the way, he's on pup. He, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been on the on the field practicing since December. So it, it's. I sort of think it's going to happen because I, I just think they they've reached the point of no return. Yeah. But about the time you think that nothing happens, and then and then what do you do? So and, and these guys, the Colts, they're smart people. They are whether you whether you like their their personnel moves, whatever. These guys are smart people. They they have all these scenarios talked out. You know, if there's a trade, if there's not, if he's on putt, whatever, they they know what they're going to do, what 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 they want to do. So, by but but again, I was told that by Tuesday, uh, if 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 he can't get a trade done by Tuesday, then then the ball's back in the Colts' court, and then they have to decide what they do when they cut the roster to 53. Because then it matters; it really does. If he's on pup, it's it's at least four games he misses. Now he, he gets paid, but. You know, it, it just takes it to that next level. Uh, the, the good thing is, that in the next few days, we're, we're going to know something on how this is going to be resolved. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 is with us. You think the Colts, obviously they put that, that first-round pick up there, you know, for a reason, the, the highest point that you could take right there as a price tag. What might they be willing to settle for if they are at a point here where they just kind of need to rid themselves of the situation altogether? Well, yes, for a one, because why would you ask for something to last? I mean, that's, that's no question. obvious. And, and, and what you're saying is it's a good question. What, how, how badly do they want to rid themselves of, of what has become an untenable situation? Would it be a two? Would it, boy, a three would be tough. I, someone told me that sort of, sort of that they, they would find a way to make it work here if all they got was a three. That they're, they're, again, that they're just not going to dump him. But then, then when you get there, and Again, moving forward with the player who simply doesn't want to be here. You know, I, I thought the most obvious sign of that was a few weeks ago when, when he was away from camp to rehab on his own. If, if that's not a slap at the organization, the rehab staff, and, and the medical people, what, what was it? So, yeah, I, I don't know what, what their bottom line is, and, and I know I've been told they're not going to just dump him. But that's that. That could be posturing, and, and when it comes time, you may say we're better off getting this a three. I don't know. It, it'd be hard to see them getting only a three, accepting only a three for Taylor. But how badly would it be if he's still here? And and you know, one thing that that people need to quit is, is that, that they, they kind of diminish the kind of player this kid is. He he's he's an elite talent at his position. He is. You know, he didn't have a trash season last year. He had a, you know, it certainly didn't measure up to the to the to 2021. But he averaged four and a half a, a carry, 800 and some yards in 11 games, in, in a totally dysfunctional offense. 
and, and all the other circus stuff that was going on. So, and he's 24 for crying out loud. But it, it's going to take that right situation, and you know, it, it really from listening to Miami, the media down there, however they're connected, that there is a strong interest. And can you imagine Jonathan Taylor in that offense? Holy mackerel! Uh, do, do they do they run down there because they don't have the talent to run, or because Mike McDaniel likes to pass much better? Well, from what I've read, and I don't know that much about it, but apparently he's a run game guy. He just hasn't had the personnel. His personnel's not been right. for that. It's, well, it's, it's certainly more... nothing like that. There's no question yet. Right, right. But boy, you add him to that offense where you've got to, you know, really guard deep, and you can't crowd the box, or you're going to get burned deep, which you don't want to do. And all of a sudden, Taylor's running against light boxes. I mean, ho- holy smokes, it, it, it's really enticing. And I saw someone mention the, the Eagles and what, what what that could be, but. And again, here, uh, there's been talk. Of, you know, do they? Does Anthony Richardson need him, or does he need Anthony Richardson? I think the quarterback needs needs the running back more. Uh, I think it will make his rookie season go easier if, if he's got another threat. I mean, defenses are, are not going to honor that RPO nearly as much if it's Richardson as and Taylor as opposed to Richardson and uh, Zach Moss or. Or, or, or Deion Jackson. It's not the same. It's not. But uh, they made this decision back in in April or May that they weren't going to invest this year that kind of money in the running back, and that really is what set all this off. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, do you believe the profound effect, uh, the ill profound effect that – a lack of a Jonathan Taylor this offense is going to have not just for the offense but for you know the the gradual improvement of its rookie very inexperienced quarterback I, I mean of of all the things you could fall into to start this season with Anthony Richardson this has to be among the worst would you agree with that yeah unless you want to lose an offensive lineman or two yeah no question yeah that, that's why I say it's so many times when you bring in the, the rookie quarterback, the, the team doesn't, you know, ha- have the right people, the right personnel, the right supporting cast around him, and that's why a lot of times it doesn't work. I go back to Jeff George. You know, who knows if that would have worked or not, but, boy, they, they put him behind the eight ball by getting rid of Ryzen and Hinton to, to get him. So it, it, it's certainly not going to help Anthony Richardson. And they're going to – they're going to they're gonna, I don't say protect, but they're going to accentuate what Richardson does and sort of stay away from what he's not really ready to do yet. They're not going to have a major thick playbook for him, but no one can tell me that not, you know, that, that, that it's going to be better to not have Taylor here. I don't believe that. I mean, it's a happy Taylor, a contented Taylor here. I don't believe that at all. But uh, at the same time, I keep thinking about if when you make somebody do something because you can, you know, I, I can, you know, you've got to come to work at four o'clock in the morning yeah. because I'm your boss. So I'm telling you to, well, what kind of, a, what kind of an employee do you have? And that's, that's, that is what JT is. That's what all these guys are. They're employees as, as much. And there've there been some shots at her saying, I understand that, you know, how he's, how he treats players poorly and all this. And that's just wrong. The problem is you, you, all, everything now is being shown through the prism of Jonathan Taylor, and I understand that. You know, don't don't. It, it's hard for the owner to say, "Hey, I have a history. We have a history of taking care of our players," which they do, but not JT. So it, it, it's it's apples and oranges when it comes to that. But it's it's not. This is not going to be a better team on the field with a with a uh, locked in. Jonathan Taylor, but boy, if if it comes to where you make a player come here and play, stay here and play, you know, maybe maybe he misses the first four games on pup with that ankle or whatever. At some point, if there's no trade, he he has to play because if he doesn't, we're back here next year, and he's going to be a year older, and, and will not have played for like a year and a half. Yeah, so, well, and then he misses out on a year of service too, and, well, and that service time is important to him. So, yeah, and that's four million you don't get back. So, but, but the idea of, of forcing a guy, I know Rick Venturi tried to do that with Eric Dickerson, and it didn't work. 
you know, they ended up suspending him when Eric refused to practice. And, and, and Venturi said, I'm the head coach, doggone it. You're going to do what I tell you. And they suspended him. So it's just it's just difficult when you force a guy to do something that he clearly doesn't want to do. And it, it's what, that's what was so crazy when, when we talked to Ursa in, in at training campus. You know, you know, it's always like we love Jonathan, yes, yes, and all this, and we we hope this works out because we really look forward to him being out there with with Anthony Richardson. And he mentions, you know, Falk and Peyton Manning, and all Taylor is hearing is, so you want to wear my butt out being part of this offense? Yet you're not going to pay me, and I and I understand him hearing that, but the fact is, he signed a four year contract, and the timing on so many levels and so many different issues couldn't be worse. So they sort of said, well, here, if, if you can find a, a, a trade partner, knock yourself out. Now, Taylor would much rather have had this option in March or April when they may, may you know, could have done that. It's You really limit your options when everybody has their rosters pretty well put together. You already spent money on the free agents you wanted to, but it only takes one or two teams to make a deal. And I'll tell you for the Colts, if they find two or three teams with a serious interest, I mean, a serious interest, then maybe they get closer to that compensation that they really want. Do you think Jonathan Taylor, as many people have said to me and of which I, I don't think I buy it in terms of, of teammates and how they feel about him and what he's doing right now. But people have suggested, why is he in Philly? Why is he with the team? He shouldn't be allowed to hang out with them. He's a, a detriment to them and their morale right now. Um, I don't happen to think his teammates view him in that fashion like the fans and others might right now. Would you agree? I agree. It, it really, I mean, there may be a few players who, who aren't really on on board with this, but, but you talk to most players and, hey, that's his business, that's his contract, that's his money he's dealing with, and they really let players handle their own business. He's in Philly because he, he's a member of the team, and they're going to make him go there, which, I, you know, whether that's being hard asses or not, I don't know. But uh, I think they've been, in, in a few instances, very, very lenient about things. Again, allowing him to, to, to rehab on his own that week. I, we mentioned it. I, I can't remember the last time that's happened. And I'm sure the team could have said, no, you're not. You're, you know, you're, you're part of our team. You're going to work out with our people. They didn't do that, and it didn't really matter. That's why I say it, it seems like in his mind, he's done. He's done. I, I think, again, when, when – when he got the word that they were not going to extend him and they'll talk contract at the end of the season, I, it, it's obvious to me that he viewed that as a, a major betrayal of trust. And, and then here we are. So, uh, again, when you, when you have that type of disdain for, for our team and the situation, how do you patch it up and say, okay, I'm going to play and we'll deal with this next year. Now, Edron, Edron comes to mind, and I talked to Edron about this, and, he wanted a new contract too, and didn't get one, and they franchised him. And he came in, and, you know, worked his ass off, and got a four-year, thirty million dollar contract from Arizona the next year. Now it's different because Edgerton had played, I think it was six years, or whatever, six or seven years here, and Taylor's played three, so it's not quite the same. And Falk's not quite the same because he had played like five years. Uh, but you know, the, the important thing in game planning for everybody is this: this will re- be resolved by next Tuesday, always on pup, which, which is still a possibility. You know, people we, we need to keep in mind that any team trading for him has to believe or have have some belief that he's that he that he's healthy. And he's again, he's not been on the practice field since December, and this is after surgery in January that was supposed to be cleared up. in, I don't know if he if he signed weeks. this afternoon, do you think he would play tomorrow or practice tomorrow? Because I do, I do, but but. <laughs> and, and I know I, it's I, dangerous I, territory. I know. I, I know it is, and I, and I've gone too far a few times, or or hinting that it's a hold in, not hinting, but saying it, and I shouldn't. That's not fair. Uh, all I know is that everything you hear is is that this this should. Even he said it, 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 thing, things were done perfectly and all this. And again, whether whether he aggravated it while rehabbing or or whatever, I don't know. And, and, and part of the issue is is we've not heard from him. From Taylor since yeah. the offseason or since uh, OTA or minicamp, whatever it was. 
So w- when you don't have all the facts, there's speculation, and that's that's a dangerous road to go down. Now, there, there's every possibility that, that we never talk to that kid again here as a Colt. Yeah. No. So, right. so we'll see. It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, and uh, you get the Colts and the Eagles in that final preseason game. And there is a, a deadline looming regarding Jonathan Taylor here at some point and uh, the Colts situation with their running back. And Mike talked about that again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mike, I appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll do it again next week. Talk to you then. Of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. You know him very well. Just decades of incredible acting, incredible work. Going to be in town for PopCon this weekend, Saturday and Sunday here in Indianapolis. Back to the show again. Michael Rooker joins us today. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Yourself? I could not be better now that you're here with us. I, you don't remember this, I'm sure, but I was reminded of this. You have been on this show before, and... The last time you were on with me, you were at Disneyland. You did a great interview with me at Disneyland right in front of the uh, steamboat, I think, right there. The steamboat whistle or horn or whatever that is kept going off, I think, behind you right there. But you did a fantastic interview with me. I don't know what this was, you know, backing up. I'm I'm assuming it's probably something like PopCon this weekend, but just a, a fantastic interview years ago when you were at Disneyland at the time. Oh, <laughs> I, I do not. I do not remember anything, anything from those years. Sorry. <laughs> I well, I, I did want to ask you about this because it seems like you you get to Indianapolis more than occasionally, and don't you? I do. I do actually. Yeah. Um, eight men out. Late eighties. You were here filming mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I had John Cusack on this show year before last, and he was talking about his experience of of being here and filming here in town, and some of those memories that he has. What are some of the memories you have about Indy back then, when you had to stay here longer than just the weekend? Well, back then we we were busy. I mean, we were we were working every day, so we didn't get a chance. Well, some of the some of the guys actually got a chance to go out and have some fun. Well, I've heard those stories, um, yes, because Charlie Sheen was was uh, part of that group too. Yes, yeah, yeah, he was. We had probably all the the young hottest actors in Hollywood, you know, and and they were they were. I I was like one of the last ones to be cast, and uh, I was I was cast on a Chicago. I, I lived in Chicago at the time, and. Um, and we we uh, got down there and had a blast, man. I mean, it's a great city. Uh, it's a racing city. And um, I I uh, I did a movie called Days of Thunder. Yeah. And so uh, I'm I'm hoping we get some uh, a lot of racing fans that'll come into the show this weekend. And Who I'm, knows? We'll I, see. I'm sure you will. And Rowdy Burns is obviously one of the characters of the past for you in Days of Thunder. Where where does that rank as far as your recognizable roles to your fans and to people that have seen the film out there? Where does that rank as far as your resume of films is concerned? Well, it's pretty high in my book. I mean, it's one of my. It's always one of my favorite. When people ask me what's one of my what's my favorite, I, I don't really have a big a one favorite film I've done, you know. Uh, but I, I do have several that keep rolling around in my my mind. Of boy, boy, oh boy, would I like to do a remake or a, a continuation of that story, you know? And Days of Thunder is one of those. Um, uh, eight men out, of course, we did right there in town, yeah. but, uh, it, I think it, it ranks up there, man. I, I got about four or five that are my fa that are in my favorite book, you know, and that's one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you've done certainly recently from, you know, the, the garden guardians of the galaxy and, and uh, Suicide Squad. It's 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 been amazing because it it's kind of like it it has. I just played back in before you came on ELO, and because it is so readily available, music now whether it's Spotify or Pandora or Sirius XM, it's not as hard as it was when we were all growing up to hear music of the past. You had to actually work for it, and now you really don't. 
and it, it, you look at your career and you know just the the younger category of fans that recognize you from their favorite films that I just talked about right now. I mean, it's it, it's like a it has to be energizing for you, is it not, to know that this is where you are in your career and now even younger, generationally speaking, the fans know exactly who you are in their favorite films here. Well, you know what? I was at a restaurant one time with Sean Gunn. He did a very popular TV show. He's going to be there with us this weekend, too. And he did a very popular TV show that uh, the, a lot of the young young kids, like the teenagers and the preteens and the teenagers, really, really adored. And But anyway, we. that being said, we're at dinner one night, and there are these three lovely preteen teenage girls just sort of standing and giggling and looking at us at the at the table he and he goes oh you know what they're gonna want to come over here and say yeah about, <laughs> about his, his his tv show instead they came over and said are you you're michael rooker you you played rowdy burns and days of thunder and, I, and i'm like Sweetheart, that was way, way, way before your time. And he says, and they were saying like, "Uh uh-uh, our dad makes us watch that. (laughs) (laughs) So it ended up being being there were Days of Thunder fans. And it was, we had done the movie probably 20 years before they were born. That's that's awesome, too. That's going to make you feel good on a much lower level. Like when I get from somebody that says, hey, you know, I, I grew up listening to you because my dad did in the car taking me to school. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, that's extra special. It really is. Because, again, you, you are reaching a whole new demographic, a, a, a whole new generation oh, oh, of fans that maybe you oh, thought you wouldn't reach once upon a time. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was I'm 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 like. And the mom and mom and dad were over in the other section of the restaurant, <laughs> and so they eventually came over too. So I, I was uh, uh, thrilled, and it, I'm always thrilled when people recognize me. And it's and and uh, and it's always fun uh, to to meet folks uh, literally on the street that'll never probably never see me again. And uh, I'm all I I just. I enjoy it myself. I don't shy away from it, so I, I enjoy people a lot. I've always, I've always been a people person. I, I was a lifeguard for three years in, in Chicago, and uh, and uh, folks were recognized me even way back then on the street. And uh, hey, aren't you that guard that? that works at North Avenue Beach. I mean, yeah, and it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's, <laughs> I think that's how Sam Elliott started out as a lifeguard, too, and then got into it, although he was in oh, well, Southern right. California, I believe. That's how he got started. I did want to ask you that, and again, Michael Rooker, the actor, joins us. You, you moved from Alabama to Chicago, so you've, you've got the Deep South mm. in your blood and also, obviously, the Midwest and Chicago. Did, oh, yeah. did, um, did those first opportunities you get pop out of Chicago, um, you did you get those first hirings out of Chicago, working out of Chicago? Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I went to a school called the Goodman School of Drama, and uh, the year I was, I got there was their very first year of moving, moving their entire uh, uh, theater department to the uh, to DePaul University there. And now, now the, the they've changed the hints. Uh, since they've changed the name to the uh, theater school at DePaul. And it, it's quite a, a beautifully traditional training. Uh, it, it was a great, great, a great way for me to uh, to get in, to get into the arts. And, and uh, I had already been to college. I, I kind of wasn't happy with where things were going. And I, I went back to school. I, I went back and auditioned to get into the the theater school there, so there you have it. And now I got most of my beginning jobs out of Chicago. Well, I, so I, 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 yeah, it, it's, yeah I, I call it my home. I mean, it's I, I still have a place there. You know, so. it's interesting to see out of Chicago. Like um, you know, my bodyguard, for example, is one I remember yeah. from 1980, which was in, entirely uh, with auditions, and then the casting was held in Chicago. You know, Lucas in the mid 80s was held, I think, in in Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. And you would always see these familiar faces, whether they were the lead actors or supporting actors, and you kind of knew that that was the growth out of the Chicago land acting 
dominating area right there for oh, those films. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We, I think Chicago actors uh, and directors and, and, and folks in the business now, uh, be it theater business or film business, TV business, a lot of folks came out of Chicago, out of the training programs they have there. Uh, not only not only the Goodman School of Drama and the Theater School at DePaul, um, uh, the Northwestern has a great uh, theater department as well, and so we have a, a, it's a very very large community uh, theater community there and the arts community. So uh, we were we were knocking down doors, man. I mean, we were chewing up the. Uh, the, the 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 theater and the and the film business as well back then, uh, you know. So yeah, and and it's still very uh, Chicago actors are still very very popular. PopCon Indy is coming up this weekend, and our guest Michael Rooker, the actor, will be there on Saturday and Sunday. That's downtown at the Indiana Convention Center. You can go to popcon.us and uh, find out what days and where he is and where you can find him and and check him out as well. Um, Walking Dead, when you got offered that role, it was already going, I believe, but when you got offered that role, did you ever think it was going to reach the levels of popularity in in which it has? And then, you know, the spinoffs and still going strong. Uh, and I know, obviously, your character's no longer with it, but did you ever think it was going to reach those heights in which it did? Not in a million years. I mean, I, I started, actually, I was in the first, uh, the pilot, uh, and, uh, and then the first one, one, two, three episodes, and then my character got uh, uh, hooked. Um, you know, I was yeah. up on the rooftop, and I got away. And you don't, you don't see me for a, a few episodes, but I, my character comes back. And I, you know, I, when I watched the pilot, you know, after we had already done it, and I watched it, and as I was watching, I'm like, oh, geez, here's here goes another one. It'll never go. There's no way I thought it'd ever go. I, I, I mean, when they started pulling the guts out of the poor horse, I was like, <laughs> no, ain't going. This ain't going. Look, don't get me wrong. I, I like I like horror. I like sure. the gore and some. And, and, and I like it all, you know. And But when I, when I saw that, I was like, ugh, there's no way this is going. There's no way in a million years. And I thought, well, there's just, there goes a pilot down the tubes again. You know, I'd done a few of them, and they never really got picked up. And this one, I thought, was just going to be the same way. It's, there's ne- they're never going to pick this up. And uh, lo and behold, they uh, absolutely picked it up, and mm. it caught on, and people were enthralled, and, and they just were glued to their TV sets. Yeah, and yeah. And, of course, my character was just... <laughs> uh, for me, for me, he was the perfect character in the world to have. I mean, I got to say and do almost anything I wanted to do and say. It it um it seems like that if there was a character up an actor's alley, that would have been the one for you right there. To me, is when I when my, I watch you do that. Was the casting director, and she called me, uh, Lisa Mason Cannon down in down in Wilmington, North Carolina, and she called me and she said, Rooker. There's this role, and she could barely breathe. There's this role. You, it's it's written for you. It's written for you, dude. You gotta do this. I'm gonna send you the. I'm gonna send you the script. You read it. Read it right away. And I read it, and I called her back. I said, "Man, this is kind of crazy. I, I I like it though. Yeah, I I dig it a lot." And she goes, "There's just one problem." I go, "What? What's the problem?" Um. Well. One of the producers, uh, he, he got the, he's got this thing for you, and uh, and I, and I go, oh, I take it, it's not a positive thing. He goes, oh no, it's not positive at all. Something about some some project you did or you were gonna do and you ended up not doing. It's like 15 years ago or something. I said, what? 15 years ago? What the hell? What's his name? <laughs> So it was Frank Darabont. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, he's got a thing for me. Is that why I haven't been cast in these last fifteen years of these projects? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was the What was the issue? The issue was 
back when I did days of uh, back when I did uh, cliffhanger. Okay. I, 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 me and Frank were talking about doing a project, and and I loved the project. I was going to do it, and I was and everything, and and then all of a sudden, you know, this is back in the day when I was like a poor a, a dude. Uh, I barely made a living. Okay, and so all of a sudden I get this this uh, this offer, and this is which is cool, Frank's offer, and but then I get another offer that is like going to pay me. Ten times the money that I've ever made in my life. Okay. All right. So my agents are like, "Dude, you gotta go with the money. <laughs> you gotta go with the money." I said, "Well, what are we gonna do? I, I have already agreed, and you know, I was like really wringing my hands, and I was, uh, I was like, it was upsetting to to go the other way now." Uh, simply because of money. It wasn't simply because of money. It was still a, a nice, fun role, too. So, but they said, don't worry, we'll call him. And I had to, like, leave town like... I had to leave. I would have. I should have left town two days ago to get there, right? And it was over in Italy. And, and so they said, we'll take care of everything, we'll call him, we'll deal with it. So they called him and they dealt with it. But they dealt with it in like, nope, he's out. Goodbye. Yeah, he still left you on the they still left you on the hook, is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. And he, he felt bad he felt really bitter about that for a long time. <laughs> and here I am, all these years thinking Oh, they settled everything, everything. I'll call Frank when I get back into town. We'll go have lunch. And he never returned my phone call. So I was like, oh. And, and I, you know, you just move on, move on with your career, move on with your life. Um, <laughs> but I find out later on with The Walking Dead that this is the producer on The Walking Dead. He's the showrunner. He's the guy. He's the main guy. And and he has this thing. <laughs> so I had to, I wrote him a letter and, and, and basically explained my side of the story. And he believed me. And uh, hence, the rest is history. There I got go. in the show. And, and we, we, when the first day we met on set, it was as if we had never been apart or angry or any or he had any kind of animosity it was like old home week that that's the same frank and i like we hook we're like uh you know you meet these people and you think you know i i feel like i've known i feel not like i know you do i mean you were so close right away we were so close right away and so that probably what that's what hurt him in the in the past, you know, because we were so close. And then all of a sudden, I go off and do another movie, and it works you know, out in the end. I, yeah, I don't blame him. I didn't blame him at all. By the I way, Frank the way. Frank Darabont, for those of out there that may not know, uh, Shawshank Redemption. So <laughs> he yeah. carried yeah. and other things. He carried he carried a, he still does a significant amount of clout for real right there popcorn oh, and, yeah. and i love him dearly too so now we we're old pals again now so everything is hunky-dory but oh like, man it was hit or, it was hit or miss whether or not i was going to be able to do uh uh the walking dead and, uh, you know so but you know uh, things happen and my my casting director lisa may uh, that lady she had my back man of casting people in this business, you know, as soon as they say, no, I don't think so, they just move on. But she wouldn't let it go. She says, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, man, this guy is is right for this role. And so... Perfect. I don't. I don't know of any other actor in Hollywood that would chop his, chop his own hand off. <laughs> I'm like a. I'm like a wild coyote. <laughs> you got me tied down. I'll chew my arm off. Get away. I mean, this is this is who I am. Okay, and she knew it. Uh, and you were perfect for it. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Popcon Indy, Saturday and Sunday, actor Michael Rooker is going to be in town. You are a wonderful conversation, as always, man. I appreciate you jumping on here. I hope we do it again, man. It's even more memorable, but you're always awesome to us. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And come on out, everybody. We're going to have a blast. And uh, we always do. And so, and I enjoy the heck out of this stuff. So, come on. All right, Michael, thank you again. Enjoy your time here at Indy this weekend. Thank you, brother. Bye bye. Michael Rooker.
Mandy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Eagles coverage he gives, and Josh Tolentino joins us right now. Hello, Josh. How are you doing? Danby, pleasure to uh, join you ahead of the preseason finale tonight, if you want to call it that. A lot of fireworks obviously uh, occurred here the uh, other day involving these two teams, so it should be a doozy. Hey, you were on site, I believe. A little bit about that, and I, I guess it depends on who was – everybody was involved, I guess, the way it was described to me, almost everybody. Uh, could there be a bit of a boil over this evening from what took place a couple of days ago in that get-together? You know, not necessarily. You know, maybe if these reserve players are, are still kind of holding on those ill feelings, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, these guys that are actually going to be playing tonight are fighting for – uh, they're NFL lives, so it'd be silly of them to, you know, yeah. escalate or continue what uh, happened on Tuesday because uh, that really occurred between, you know, some top players of both teams. Obviously, Zaire Franklin, a Philly native, and uh, Jason Kelsey were the main culprits there, but uh, don't necessarily anticipate any spillover. Definitely on the Eagles side, um, certainly uh, the starters are not playing, so um, I think that's going to be, you know, largely factor into uh, that question. What'd you see uh, in those? Uh combined practices that you, you witnessed the other day when that whole fight happened and then it ended obviously abruptly uh, with that brawl and practice was over in that fashion. But what would what, you see on, on both sides of the football, especially from a Colts standpoint that Colts fans would be interested in or maybe Colts fans, Josh, may be disappointed in? Yeah, JMV, I'll, I'll kind of paint the picture for you here, but it was almost, uh, you know, I'd consider the climax of the summer, just definitely the most exciting action uh, we've seen, and you certainly saw it brewing. Uh, and I'll start with a, an instigator from the Eagles, and he's built a reputation, uh, you know, in the city and, and really with the league, with the officials, in terms of uh, his actions after the whistle. Uh, Derek Barnett, um, you know, infamously, famously, you know, whoever you ask, uh, recovered the fumble in, in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Um, but Derek Barnett, uh, there were a couple instances on Tuesday when, uh, most notably, when he hit uh, Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson's hand, and you know that's a no-no during training camp. And you know the quarterbacks are, are definitely supposed to be off, off limits in terms of uh, no contact. That's the big reason why they wear that red jersey. And uh, you know, so Derek Barnett stretching the unwritten rules there of making contact with AR, and uh, you know that happened right in front of the Colts sideline too. So certainly. Uh, took a lot of willpower to do that, but uh, that that was really the first uh, kind of uh, big scuffle or incident. And then uh, a couple plays or a couple series later, you know, Jason Kelsey just getting uh, the best of him and with his emotions that uh, he had discussed afterwards with uh, shoving Zaire Franklin to the ground, uh, you know, essentially ran over him uh, from behind. Zaire <laughs> had no idea that, that Kelsey was, uh, you know, going to be making contact with him. And there were certainly some, after fireworks uh, on the previous play, but um, just a spillover, you know, a big uh, snowball effect uh, from the practice. And uh, it sucks that, you know, depending on your fan perspective, that you don't get to see the starters go after each other. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like a base baseball um, reference. If you're, you know, if you beam me, I'm going to beam you uh, in terms of, uh, you know, hitting the other guy. So, uh, but, again, like what we mentioned earlier, a lot of guys fighting for their NFL lives tonight. So I would be very surprised if we saw any spillover. Hey, Josh Tolentino covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He will be there this evening. He joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now. So no starters at all from an Eagles standpoint. Is that what we're looking at? You know, there's a discussion from uh, what I heard. I checked in with a couple of uh, people uh, close around the team uh, this morning, last night. Uh, you know, where, where there might be a, a couple personnel playing. You know, they want to see more reps uh, specifically from the linebackers and safety pairings. But the main offensive starters, I'm talking like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, obviously Jalen Hurts, they will not be playing uh, based on uh, everything that we've been told. Uh, so, but, you know, I, you know who I am excited to see, though, is A.R. Uh, you know, not, not that many uh, – uh, people get treated to, you know, seeing a top uh, pick like him. and Well, the fan base here was very excited to see him on Saturday, and they decided at the last minute, or not at the last minute, but didn't tell him until the last minute he didn't play. So, yeah, that's what we got okay, here. Okay, well, well, we'll see if he's out there. But <laughs> no, he's going he's gonna to be out there tonight. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the weather kind of factors in. It's raining right now. Uh, you know, kickoff's obviously in a couple hours, so we'll see if it subsides. But uh, what we saw on Tuesday and, you know, that limited uh, brief uh, practice, AR was slinging the thing, you know, you know, he's going up against these uh, top cornerbacks, Darius Slade, James Bradbury, considered a top 
you know, whatever, top three, top five duo in the league. And he, he was putting the ball in, in some nice spots for his receivers. He hit Alec Pierce, uh, I remember, uh, vividly during a seven-on-seven period. So uh, certainly some some talent there, you know, if you're a Colts fan, to be excited about just from a, a visiting perspective. From watching that, and I know it was just one, one practice right there that you saw, but with his capabilities at times of, of getting it in there, I, I mentioned this earlier, what I want to watch for from a Colts standpoint, Josh, tonight is the skill position players – and they're put in situations to where they have to make catches outside what is their their normal catch radius or catch window. I mean, tough catches. And notoriously speaking, this group and groups of the past really haven't done that. I think it's going to be incredibly necessary for the growth of this rookie quarterback that's so inexperienced to see that group be able to do that. Did it look to you like that they had capabilities of it when you watched them the other day? A bit. You certainly saw them trying to, you know, create separation off, again off, uh, you know, what would many would consider one of the top cornerback uh, pairings in the league. And James Bradbury and Darius Slay, you know, um, both have, you know, complementing skill sets in terms of uh, what they do on the field. You know, James Bradbury, a very big, physical, tough uh, zone corner. You know, Darius Slay, he's, he's ready to go mano a mano with you. Um, and, and you certainly saw glimpses of that. But uh, just in comparison to what you just spoke about. Uh, John is you look at uh, Jalen Hurts trajectory in his second uh, season uh, really you know you consider his rookie year since his actual rookie year he didn't really play until the end of the the season but uh, when he took over the full uh, full reins as the starter uh, you look at the advanced analytics of that receiver group that he was playing with you know that was uh, Devontae Smith's rookie year they still had Jalen Rager um, on the team, but the um, receivers that he was playing with, I mean, they were in terms of uh, separation and again the advanced uh, stats. I want to say like they were they were literally towards the bottom of the league uh, in terms of uh, separ- creating separation and uh, you know the ability for uh, Hertz in this instance to to make those throws. So you know Shane Steichen, Chris, they're they're going to have to certainly uh, uh, address the personnel in terms of. Uh, Supporting AR with a good cast, uh, you know. You look at the the Eagles roster. You know, Hertz is a big uh, part of the train that goes, but he's certainly supported by one of the best uh, rosters in the league. And it's going to be a process for uh, a team like the Colts to, to get there. But you like the intrigue with the talent, uh, certainly the arm uh, with AR from what we've seen in that one practice. Josh Tolentino of the Philadelphia Inquirer covers the Eagles on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Eagles and Colts tonight. Again, we come with the pregame coverage, top of the hour with me, Casey Vallier, and former Colts wide receiver Bill Brooks here on the Colts pregame huddle. There's been rumors, and the rumors are floating everywhere regarding Jonathan Taylor right now, but yeah, I, I saw some, some rumored interest from an Eagles standpoint. Is there at all that there from what you gather? Yeah, the team has certainly checked in. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, be able to uh, gauge, like, the exact uh, interest. But anytime a, a talented player there, uh, you know, such as the skill set of Jonathan Taylor and even the the experience between the two teams, you know, Nick Sirianni uh, obviously being a former uh, Colts on, on the Colts coaching staff, a lot of familiarity there. And uh, anytime you know, thought the, the Eagles running back room was set, you know, after losing a key piece and Miles Sanders had been the lead back here for the past uh, three, four years, and you know now they they've got uh, you know they had DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny in the off season. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is gaining steam here. Then here you are at the end of camp, and a guy like JT becomes uh, available. So the team has certainly checked in. Um, and if they you know if they were to acquire a talent like that, I just it's it's difficult. You know when you look at the finances part of it, the the contractual uh, obligations that are, are going to have to be uh, handed out to. To Jonathan Taylor, the, the Eagles certainly have the draft capital to, uh, you know, swing a move like that. Even you know, you're talking about like a day two uh, pick, you know, depending on value. But uh, making the money work, you just, uh, you know, it's such a league-wide trend, especially in Philadelphia. You look at Miles Sanders' contract, what he got this year. I think he's at like around a six, seven million annual average. The entire Eagles running back room, like I'm talking about, all six guys on the 90-man roster right now, they're making less than what Miles Sanders is making. Uh, you know, obviously only three, four, guys, three, four of those guys will make the roster. So the allocation part is what worries me. If you're uh, thinking about that possibility, yeah, and I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to double that <laughs> for the, for the yeah, in yeah. an extension too, uh, to with the Taylor interest. But you know, it's just you, you kind of look at you know Nick Sirianni, you look at that that dynamic, and and then obviously I, I've said this, and I, I want to get your opinion on it, Josh. You, you bring up Miles Sanders, who rushed for over twelve hundred yards, and, and certainly. 
Um, you look at the offense and the offensive line, the skill position players, so incredibly talented and balanced right there. Even Jalen Hurts went for over 700 yards rushing a year ago. But how was how important was Miles Sanders? Because it's been my opinion here that in the development of Anthony Richardson, with all that inexperience, that a talented running back, a productive running back, is highly important for this, this development we're going to see in year number one for Richardson. How important was Sanders in that equation with that offense we saw go to the Super Bowl? a year ago yeah certainly early on you think what that uh, Shane Steichen and what he did uh, specifically for Hertz tailoring that zone read RPO uh, heavy offense for Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders uh, Miles he did tail off uh, towards the end of the year I think he still had above a five yard uh, average in terms of uh, yards per carry so uh, it's a tough question but uh, certainly Shane has shown uh, you know in the offenses that he's been with that he tailors you know, play on words here, but Taylor's the 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 offensive playbook towards uh, the quarterback strengths, and you know that's something that you should expect there in Indianapolis. But uh, in terms of Miles, you see the uh, treatment that they gave him the off season. You know, he was essentially begging. <laughs> I'm talking John begging. Uh, you know, throughout the postseason, you know, during his weekly availabilities late in the year, December, January, like I want to stay here. You know, I want this is where I want to be. This is the only place I know, and. Uh, you see what the Eagles did in the offseason, adding two guys not named Miles Sanders to yeah. the roster. So, um, you know, allocation there is, is, is definitely a tough thing, getting back to the, the Jonathan Taylor point. I mean, would they, did they want a single back to to have the type of rushing production that he had a year ago, or are they looking for it in a combined effort all the way around? Because it was often mentioned, well, it, it was a combined effort last year. While it was, he was still the main figure with the 1,200-plus yards rushing that I, I would deem important, even if your quarterback goes for over 700, as Hurts did a year ago. Yeah, no, Nick Sirianni claims that they're, they're working towards a, a committee approach, but at the end of the day, I think they're they're going to have a lead horse, and you know the the top two candidates for that are DeAndre Swift, who makes his homecoming here to Philadelphia from Detroit, and Kenny Gainwell heading into his third year. We've seen him exclusively be the team's featured running back in two minute instances uh, in goal line packages. Uh, so you know they they have some change of uh, play, pace guys. You know Rashad Penny, Boston Scott in there at the goal line, the veteran, but. I'd expect uh, DeAndre Swift or, or Kenneth Gainwell if we're talking, you know, who's getting the bulk of the carries. And I think it will be drastic, like what you mentioned. Uh, you know, Nick Sirianni can claim uh, the committee approach all he wants, and that's what he did last year. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, in the past couple of years, and we've seen Miles Sanders uh, take that heavy workload. You know, Jalen Hurts, like what you mentioned, plays a big picture in, in that outcome. Hey, enjoy a lot of Ian Book tonight, right? Oh, man, Ian Book. Uh, hot topic out here. You know, he's, uh, uh, you know, was a serviceable, you know, third third string backup last year with Minshew in the room. And he just looked, uh, I mean, you could use whatever adjective you want, but <laughs> did not look good in that uh, preseason opener. It was almost surprising that he didn't play at all in, in last uh, week's game with the Cleveland Browns, but uh, certainly expect him to, to see some time here in the second half. Hey, fantastic work, Josh. I appreciate you hopping on here before a game on this Thursday. It's in Philly, obviously, tonight with the Colts and the Eagles. You got it right here, and Josh Tolentino writes regarding the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. We'll do this again down the road, man. I appreciate you, Josh. Thank you very much. JMV, hit me up anytime. It was a pleasure. You got Enjoy it. Josh Tolentino, it's really good. 